Welcome to the Foul Balls podcast for Friday, November 9th, 2018, and just a seven-game slate for Friday. They usually end up being uh, a little bit bigger for Friday nights. It's kind of been a, a smaller amount of games this week, it seems like to me. We had small slates on Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like there's usually more games. Not that it really makes too big of a difference. Uh, one thing before I start talking about the games, recency bias could be really ridiculous in uh, DFS. And one thing that I think was a pretty good example of this is uh, the the Thursday games just started. And looking at the ownership for those games, Paul George has like almost half the ownership for a four-game uh, Thursday slate than he had for like a full slate on Wednesday. So what happened was Paul George was a fairly obvious play on Wednesday night. Uh, because Russell Westbrook was injured. So everybody, uh, well, not everybody, except a lot of people played uh, Paul George. He was around 40% owned in GPPs, and he didn't have a great game. So then is what happens is basically the same situation on uh, Thursday, except his price has gone actually down from his game on Wednesday. He uh, still same spot with Westbrook out, and ownership is at 20% in GPPs, even though there's less options with less games. So the recency bias, I think, gets to be a little extreme sometimes in situations like that. Like one guy has a bad game and everybody thinks like, oh, I can't play him anymore. When in reality, he's just as good of a play on Thursday as he was on Wednesday. Now, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll look stupid for rostering Paul George uh, by the time this game actually plays out. Maybe we'll just have a shitty game and, and, and then I'll be looking like, ah, oh, maybe I shouldn't have played Paul George. But the reality is if you look at the the extra usage for him with Westbrook off the court, it just makes sense to use those guys in that situation, especially when we look at the the price went down. Uh, I, I think it's always a good thing to take advantage of recency bias and GPPs. The same thing we actually had on Wednesday night where Anthony Davis was in a great matchup against the Chicago Bulls, and because of a couple bad games, his ownership was probably lower than what I thought it should have been, and the price goes down also. So I, I don't think... Somebody having a bad game is reasons to not play them. Usually to me that means that the reason is to play them because it means they're going to have less ownership and the price is going to have dropped. Whereas to me, if somebody has a bunch of good games in a row, the price is probably up and the ownership is up. So in, the only reason I would not want to play somebody coming off a bad game is was it injury related or the minutes dropping? As long as like the minutes and the usage are there, like the shots are going to fall. The, just good and bad games happen over the course of an NBA season. Uh, but talking about Friday's slate here, uh, seven games. First game on the slate is the Charlotte Hornets at the Philadelphia 76ers. From the Hornets side of the game, don't really see a whole lot of value here. The Sixers are a really tough defensive team. Kemba Walker's played really well this year, but he's pressed all the way up to 9,400, and the Sixers are one of the better teams defending point guards in the league. For as as much shit as Markel Fultz has gotten for his jump shot and his offense, the combination of him and Ben Simmons have made for one of the better teams defending point guards in the league so far this year. From the Sixers side of the game, uh, Joel Embiid pressed all the way up to 11200 I love Embiid. He's been great this year. But I just don't think that he's been priced up in the range of guys like LeBron James, Anthony Davis, or Giannis. Uh, with that said, there aren't any other really expensive guys on the slate. But still, I, I don't think that Joel Embiid is a great play at that price tag because I just don't see a lot of value or upside in it uh we have Robert Covington was dealing with an injury last game but played and the minutes overall were fine 36 so 
No reason to think that the injury will hamper him at all. Uh, Dario Saric priced all the way down to 5000 now. He's somebody who has not made his shots really at all this year. He's shooting 35% from the field, but that comes with a pretty steep drop in price. He's all the way down at 5000 Uh, I do think that we should see a little bit of regression from Sarge this year just because there's more there's more guys on that Sixers offense to uh, get touches. Uh, Wilson Chandler's there also. But so I think 5,000 is a little bit too cheap for Sarge, so he makes sense as a GPP play. Uh, next game, the Washington Wizards who are really struggling playing against the Orlando Magic. Uh, from the Wizards side of the game, uh, we have John Wall, Bradley Deal, 91 and 7,800. Neither of them are necessarily terrible plays, but like I say all the time with the Wizards, I like to target these guys when they're at home. I don't really like to target them on the road at all. Uh, Dwight Howard at 6,000, I think he makes sense as a GPP play. Uh, No real huge games for him thus far as a member of the Wizards, but no real terrible games either. And the minutes have slowly gone up each game, 23, 31, then 33, and the production just under 30 fantasy points per game in each of those. You look at him at 6,000, like, his floor has been 28 fantasy points so far. It's also kind of been what his ceiling is. But still, if if we're going to expect 30-plus minutes from Howard in this matchup against the Magic, who have been one of the easier matchups uh, for centers over the last couple of seasons, I think that Howard makes sense for cash games. I think he makes sense for GPPs. Uh, I'm just going to look at Otto Porter's minutes real quick before moving on. Yeah, so Otto Porter, really rough start to the year for him. Uh, and part of that was the playing time just wasn't there. There's was a bunch of games where he's playing like 21, 22 minutes. Uh, there's a 15-minute game in there. If you look at the last game, 38 minutes. Otto Porter, I still think, is a good player. I just think that he was experiencing some bad luck, and then there was also a factor of he wasn't playing as hard as necessarily should have. Bradley Beal and John Wall both called him out at a press conference, so the effort on the defensive end kind of took away from how much time he was out on the floor. But with 38 minutes last game, I think 5,200, there's GPP upside in Otto Porter. I still wouldn't trust him for a cash game just because the minutes have fluctuated a little bit this year. Uh, from the Magic side of the game, we've got Evan Forney has had a couple good games in a row. He's really priced up. Uh, Aaron Gordon's priced up after he had a couple good games in a row with uh, Jonathan Isaac out. Vucevic's prices come down a bit after uh, he got up to like the 9,000 range. But still, Vucevic, not really somebody I want a whole lot of exposure to. If you look at the minutes for him in recent games, I uh, did have the 134-minute game against Detroit. But before then, he was just kind of in like the 27 to 32-minute range and just as many games below 30 minutes as over 30 minutes. I just think we could do better than Vucevic on this slate, so not really somebody that I have interest in. Uh, next game is the Detroit Pistons at the Atlanta Hawks. There has been uh, a lot of big fantasy performances recently from the combination of Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. Uh, between the two of them, I prefer Drummond in this spot. Uh, I don't think that there's somebody in the Hawks front court that's really going to be able to match him. Uh, Deadman isn't terrible, except he's also not been starting. It's Alex Len who's been starting, so that's a really favorable matchup for Drummond. And Drummond's just been killing everybody on the glass this year. He's had, uh, I think, 19 or more rebounds in three of the last four games. He has something like five 20 rebound games this year. Uh, I think there's a little bit more safety from Drummond this year than we've seen in some previous seasons. I think Blake Griffin is also in play. Uh, right now, I think I lean a little bit more towards having Drummond exposure than Griffin. Uh, and then on the wing, we have everybody healthy now. We've got Glenn Robinson's in the mix. 
Uh, Reggie Bullock's there. Langs- Langston Galloway's getting minutes. Uh, Stanley Johnson's still getting minutes. So to me, that's just a bit too many guys uh, to choose from as long as all of them are healthy. Uh, next game on the slate, not, uh, actually didn't finish this one. Still have to talk about the Hawks side. For the Hawks, uh, one thing to keep an eye on is what are they going to do with Torian Prince? Because Torian Prince last game was coming off an ankle injury. He had missed the game. He came off the bench. Uh, his minutes, checking those real quick, ended up playing 31 minutes. So about the regular amount of minutes for him. I still think there's a little bit more security to him if he moves back into the starting lineup. 5600 is way cheaper than what we've seen from Prince for the majority of the season. So Prince, I think, is a really sensible play for GPPs and cash games. If he's starting, if he comes off the bench, than just GPPs for me. Uh, Amari Spellman had a really good game last time out. But to me, I, I think it's a little hard to trust those minutes. If you look at, he's made three starts now. He played 20 minutes, 17 minutes, and 28 minutes last game. Scored 47 fantasy points. Was a ridiculous value play. Still 4,100, so pretty affordable. I, I think you could throw him into a GPP, but not a cash game play for me just because the minutes have not really been there consistently enough. Uh, Trey Young, I think, is fine for GPPs and cash games, but the primary play from Atlanta for me is going to be Torian Prince, who I do think has the most upside for his price point of anybody here. Uh, Next game, the Indiana Pacers at the Miami Heat. We do not have a spread or a total yet for this game because the Heat have a few injury situations to look at. Uh, From the Pacers side of the game, I I can't believe what's happened to Miles Turner this year. Like He was somebody who I thought was going to be a all-star at some point in time. I thought he looked really good a couple of seasons ago. He was uh, like a top 30 eight-category fantasy player. Uh, If he wasn't top 30, he was top 40. And kind of took a step back with injuries last year. And then this year, he's kind of just the guy who's blocking DeMontis Sabonis from getting minutes. Turner's all the way down to 4,800, so I think he's in play, but I, I can't believe how disappointing he's been this year. Like, if you would have told me he would be 4,800 at some point this year before the season started, that I wouldn't have believed that. Uh, Sabonis at 6,300. If he was playing more minutes or starting, I think I'd have more interest in Sabonis. But him at 6,300 coming off the bench, the production hasn't been all that consistent this year. Uh, he has had a few good games in a row, but if you go back, to before he is he has a stretch of three three games in a row with at least 30 fantasy points but before then 17 46 24 21 42 19 for the most part he's been pretty high variance this year so Sabonis not really a primary target for me if you really want to throw him into a GPP I can't blame you but I don't think he's going to make it into my player pool uh like I said I still haven't given up on Miles Turner at 4800 uh, but I'm pretty close to giving up on Miles Turner, even though he's all the way down at 4,800. From the Heat side of the game, Hassan Whiteside is coming off a totally ridiculous game. He almost triple-doubled in the first half against the Spurs, finished with 76 fantasy points, was a block away from uh, the triple-double. So Whiteside was somebody who I think most people, including myself, would have said coming into the season that Whiteside was pretty easily one of the, if not the worst, contracts in the NBA. Uh, Andrew Wiggins might have surpassed him with the max contract that the Wolves signed him to. But Whiteside was a pretty abysmal contract, and a lot of it was effort-related. He looked disinterested for a lot of last season, didn't play well for a lot of the time, and a lot of it was just a lack of effort. And now we're seeing Whiteside 
play like he has in previous seasons where he's been a force pretty much everywhere under the basket, much better defender this year. Uh, the blocks are way back up, averaging three and a half blocks per game. So I think Whiteside is in play for GPPs and cash games for me at 8,200. Uh, like I said, we are dealing with some injuries here. Uh, Dwayne Wade is away from the team for personal reasons, so he's already been rolled out. Then we have Goran Dragic questionable to play. He missed last game. Wayne Ellington ended up starting. If he starts, again, really strong value play at 3,700. Uh, Tyler Johnson, I also think, could be somebody who sees an increase in minutes at 4,300. I think that he is a possible value play for me. Uh, but the guy who I really think could be the best player would be Wayne Ellington at 3,700 if he sticks in the starting lineup. Uh, next game is the Brooklyn Nets at the Denver Nuggets. This is a game with a fair amount of blowout risk. The Nuggets actually favored by 9.5 points. That is the biggest spread on the slate. From the Nets side of the game, we have Damari Carroll returning from ankle surgery in the offseason. This is his first game of the year. He is expected to have a minutes restriction Entering the season, he's going to play some small forward. He's going to play some power forward, according to Kenny Atkinson. But they're going to ease him into the rotation. It's still unknown how that's going to affect guys like uh, Karis LeVert and Alan Crabb. But to me, LeVert has played so well that his role is pretty secure, whereas Alan Crabb has really struggled so far this year. So I think we see most of Tamari Cowell's minutes come from Alan Crabb. Uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, I still do think is worth looking at in GPPs because I think the plan is eventually for him to be playing more minutes. They've just kind of been all over the place recently. If you look at his last few games, 27, 25, 19, then he played 30 minutes. And after the 30-minute game where he scored 33 fantasy points against the Sixers, I'm thinking like, all right, it's Rondé Hollis-Jefferson playing 30-plus minutes every night going forward and then a season-low 12 minutes in a blowout against the Suns where he certainly could have seen garbage time. So Rondé Hollis-Jefferson at 4,500. I still think of him as a solid GPP play because we have seen the upside from him, not just this year, but last year. Uh, you just can't trust him in cash games coming off a 12-minute game. From the Nuggets side of the game, Nikola Jokic, 9,200, really strong play in GPPs. Uh, there is a little bit of blood risk for cash games, but it's still a favorable enough matchup against the Nets that I think that we can look at Jokic for a cash game just because there aren't a whole lot of other guys to pay up for on the slate. Um, next game is the Boston Celtics at the Utah Jazz. This is going to be a really low-scoring defensive game, 209 over-under. Uh, we don't have all the spreads and totals for this game, but I assume this is going to be the lowest one on the slate. From the Celtics side of the game, I just don't think there's anybody that I really want to target as of now because it's such a tough matchup in Utah. Uh, that could always change whenever there's an injury for the Celtics. But in general with Boston, we just see this, and I bring this up, I know, every time. Maybe I should just stop saying it because maybe people find it annoying. But the production is really spread out for Boston. As long as everybody's healthy, a lot of guys to feed uh, minutes to, a lot of guys to feed usage to. So when this team is all together, just not a team that I really like to target. From the Utah side of the game, uh, tough matchup against the Celtics who have been uh, – the best team at limiting fantasy points so far this year. Donovan Mitchell's price has dropped to 7100 which is pretty cheap for him, so I think that makes him a viable option. Uh, 7100 yeah, that's the cheapest price point we've seen him at all year. Just because of the, the price decrease, I think we could look at Mitchell. Nobody else who I really have all that much interest in rostering. Final game of the night is the Minnesota Timberwolves at the Sacramento Kings. Derrick Rose, I still think, is a strong play at 6800 he is going to keep starting. He scored at least 30 fantasy points in every start so far, averaging 40 
7.7 fantasy points as the starting point guard for the Timberwolves. Jeff Teague out again. So Derek Rose at 6,800. I think that price should still keep going up. I think that he makes for a good play. Uh, in terms of like Towns and Butler, it's going to be tough with Rose in the starting lineup to assume that there's enough usage to go to those guys on every given night. So I don't necessarily think they're terrible plays. This is a little bit of a smaller slate. Uh, but the priority play, I think, has to be Derek Rose from the Timberwolves. And then from the Kings side of the game, the Wolves have been a, a really bad defense this year. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is back from the offseason knee surgery. However, he's going to be rested for Friday night, so we don't have to worry about how he's going to impact the minutes of anybody else. I still think we could look at De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald as uh, strong plays for GPPs and cash games. Uh, the minutes everywhere else have kind of been a little bit spread around. So if you want to stack this game, I think it is stackable to say, take like Rose and Towns with Fox healed and say like Willie Cauley-Stein or Bielitsa or something like that. But to me, really the, the best plays here are Fox and Heald, and that's where I want most of my exposure. So that is going to wrap up the podcast for Friday. You can follow me on Twitter at GerenbergDFS. Hope you guys have a good weekend, and I'll be back to record a podcast for Monday Slate.